0: Or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services.
4: I'm Dr. Sanjay Gupta, CNN's chief medical correspondent, and this is Chasing Life. Three out of four U.S. adults are considered overweight or have obesity. 75% of Americans. Dr. Fatima Cody-Stanford,
2: Our weight is one factor that plays a role in our health. But by itself, it doesn't give us the full story of who we are. We have to look at our full person. Listen to Chasing Life, streaming now on the iHeartRadio app.
0: The numbers told the story they
2: always do. One of those idiots who believe in analytics. This is a numbers game with Gil
0: Alexander on V-CINN.
3: Good Friday morning to you. It is a numbers game. At VEASAN, the sports betting network, Visa.com, the app, FUBO game, plus iHeartRadio, YouTube TV, all proudly brought to you by BetMGM Nevada. It is Gil Alexander, Matt Santos in the house for one more day. Filling in for Kelly midland Bidlin. How you doing, Matt? You doing good? great, Gil. How you doing, man? We really appreciate you being here. It's great to see you again. After of course, a- man. Glad to be here. Our previous two months stint here on the show back in the day. Uh, it is loaded today. Uh, courtesy of Matt and everybody who put the show together. Dr. Bob will be here to give college football picks, the great Bob Stoll. Uh, Paul Carr, Premier League picks as well. Adam Burke with NFL and college football picks. Chris Valika talks NFL with us and college football, of course. Spanky will be in the house. Spanky will join us. Uh, the final two segments of the show today, he is in town, the founder of Spank Odds. Um, we'll talk about Spank Odds. We'll talk about what a day in his life betting looks like. Uh, he will be uh, in studio with us later on in the show. Always great to be on a numbers game, just have people roll through. That's the most fun part about doing this. And uh, so we're honored to have all those guests on. Um, we start of course with the ball game last night in Cincinnati between the Dolphins and the Bengals. By the way, we'll give Survivor thoughts. I got Survivor thoughts. Um, Teaser thoughts today on the show, of course, in the National Football League. What am I going to end up playing in the contest? I think more solidified as well. Last night, Miami at Cincinnati, a game that, needless to say, was marred by a, uh, by a real tough, gruesome injury to Tua Tagovailoa and a real concerning injury. Uh, Cincinnati gets it done. Bengals win it 27-15, a game that the Bengals early season wise, absolutely had to have. If they lose, they fall to one and three. And the Dolphins, in what, you know, most people were saying all week long, the narrative was, Oh, it's a terrible spot for the Dolphins for multiple reasons. I won't get into those again, but you know all of them, beginning with, hey, they played ninety plays on defense against the Bills. And in the end, the Bengals do prevail. Twenty seven to fifteen. They cover the spread. Um what percentage of uh what percentage of entries do you think, Matt, off the top of your head? We don't know because Circa doesn't provide these till after they put out the full thing on Saturday afternoon. What percentage of entries do you think went with the Bengals last night in Survivor? I wonder. In Survivor? Yeah. Maybe 5%? I'd go a little higher than that. I'm going to say 8%. But, but but I think it's I think it's a non-negligible amount of people. I think a lot of people probably went with the Bengals. And good on them for those who did. Congratulations to you. I did not. Um we'll get to we'll get to, we'll go back to 2 in a minute but as far as the details of the game it felt for for a moment we were watching a game in a different era first of all Miami 4th and 4th the Cincinnati 5 with 609 left in the first quarter they're down 7 and nothing already at this point so 4th and 4th the Cincinnati 5 they opt for Jason Sanders' 23-yard field goal. And you're like, oh, okay, I mean, I guess. Fourth and four, not, not a not an absolute go it situation, but in this day and age, you might have expected them to. They opt for the chip shot, 23-yard field goal, 7-3. to uh, Bengals at that point, by the way, two plays before that, Chase Edmonds just straight-up dropped it to a a pass, 11-yard touchdown would have been. Um, so they had to settle for that field goal, or they chose to settle for the field goal anyway, in the fourth down. Then Cincinnati, fourth and one, at the Miami 24, with ten forty-five left in the second quarter, they're still up 7-3. They decide to go for, it. They, uh, go for it there, and they fail on a pitch to Mixon. Because whenever you're fourth and one, you really want to do the pitch out. And Mixon fails to get to the line of scrimmage. Nine plays later, Sanders 48-yard field goal at 7-6. We're still in the first half. Miami second and seven at the Cincinnati 45-57 left in the second quarter in a 7-3 game. And this is where... Tua fails to elude uh, Josh Tapua and gets slammed to the turf. couple things. Were you surprised before you even knew there was an injury? Were you surprised there was not a flag thrown on that? I was a little. Were you? Yeah. In this day and age, I was like, oh, that could have been a flag. It wasn't, though. And I'm not, I'm not playing the result. I was playing that. I was like, oh, that's interesting that there wasn't a flag. I didn't hear much uproar about that. Maybe I'm wrong. Um. But that was the play that changed the game. Again, we'll bookmark the two, I think we'll get to that because it deserves more uh, gravitas after this. But we'll continue with, just with the details of the game. Two plays after two are forced to leave. Fourth and one at the Cincinnati 34, 425 left. Now it's a fourth and one at the Cincinnati 34. The Dolphins elect to kick a 51-yard field goal attempt. So... This is t- Teddy Bridgewater comes to the game, makes a nice pass. They get it to fourth and one. And then, interestingly, again, the second straight interesting fourth down for the Dolphins, they're like, yeah, we'll kick the field goal. It gets blocked. Three plays later, 2.58 left in the second quarter, Burrow to Higgins, beats single coverage, 59 yard touchdown pass. passes, 14 to six. The Dolphins do get it to 14 to 12 by the half. Again, the fourth down decisions are the theme of this game. Third quarter, Dolphins down 14 to 12 at this point. Bridgewater to Tyreek for 64 yards. They have a first and goal at the five. Then they get a three yard run. Then no game on a second down rush. Then an incomplete pass. And then fourth and goal at the two with 243 left in the third quarter, down 14 to 12. Will they go for it here? No. Nope. Sanders, 20 yard field goal to go up for the first time in the game, 15 to 14. Would turn out to be the only time in the game they would go up. Just a field goal fest. And, you know, at first, I was like, well, I'm glad teams aren't allergic to field goals. But after several of these, you're like, what are, what are we doing here? And then of course, fourth quarter, Cincinnati, fourth and goal at the Miami one. Bengals were stopped for no gain on third down. They opt for a 19 yard Evan McPherson field goal to go back up 17 to 15. That one was the most shocking of them all. Your quarterback is what, six five? Yeah, no snake. We'll kick the 19-yarder. 17 to 15 Bengals. What year is this? What what year are we watching? 1955? I don't. Okay. Then the uh, key play of the game in terms of the outcome: Miami driving down 20 to 15 after a McPherson 57-yard field goal. Because of course he was making that. That dude is incredible. Tucker Light. Second and ten at the Miami. Tw- excuse me. Second and ten at the uh, Cincinnati. 26. 317 left. Bridgewater picked by Vaughn Bell, returned forty-six yards, and five plays later, Burrow hits uh, Hayden Hurst for two yards, twenty-seven to fifteen. Katie bar the door, ball game for all intents and purposes. Bengals hold on for that same score victory, twenty-seven to fifteen. Uh, Tua eight of fourteen for one ten before he was knocked out of the game. No touchdowns, one pick, sack once. Bridgewater in relief, fourteen of twenty-three for one ninety-three, one touchdown, one pick. He was not sacked. Tyreek ten for one sixty in his grudge match with Eli Apple. Joe Burrow on the winning side. Burrow was great, by the way. 20 for 31 for 287. Two touchdowns, no picks. He was sacked once. T. Higgins, his big receiver on the night. Seven for 124 for a touchdown. And, of course, what's the stat uh, that matters the most in any NFL box score? A two-turnover advantage for Cincinnati. Miami had two, including that big one on the uh, pick from Vaughn Bell off Bridgewater. Miami had two. Cincinnati had none. But, Matt, back to Tua. Because this is, you know... I I don't think you can be human and watch that game last night without being super concerned about him as that game progressed. And this, of course, is on the heels, right, of four days earlier, him having to leave the game against the Buffalo Bills and what turned out to be a Miami win, had to leave it to a – had two passes in that game to a a left because at one point when he stood back up, he collapsed back. When we weren't guessing lines on Monday – and I mentioned that the dolphins tagged it as a back injury you heard me openly openly laughing about it, and we weren't the only ones right we're like really that's a back injury now here's the thing about that that people need to need to remember it was called a back injury after the game but the first report from the dolphins was that it was a head injury and that detail sort of gets lost in this it's not going to be lost by the people who are investigating it uh, seriously so in the end, you know, again, w- when we found out that Tua had feeling in his extremities, uh, and then when we found out, for goodness sakes, by the end of the game he was traveling back with the team, and so by that time we had all sort of shifted back into football mode to some degree. But it, for me, I, I think I speak for a lot of people. still like, yeah, the second half of that game was kind of a kind of a weird blur for me because I was so I was super concerned, as so many were, for Tua. And I am this is just in, Matt. I am I am no. Uh, I am no doctor. I have not gone to medical school. I have not attended medical school. I just want to be a full disclosure about that. But you do have to wonder if, in fact, it is two concussions in a five-day span, which the Dolphins, again, are adamantly saying it wasn't. And They got to stick to that, I guess, at this point. But, it, but, but you, can ha- you can do serious long-term damage to a human being with that kind of head trauma, specifically with that short of a turnaround between them. And so I don't know, we're left to speculate at this point, all it is is speculation, for the Dolphins long-term, who fall to 3-1 and one on the football field. No big deal, I guess. You wonder, when will we see Tua back at this point? When should we see Tua back? I'm not saying it's a career-ender, but, like, shouldn't he take some time off here? Like, a good amount of time? Absolutely, yeah. I, I don't know about you, but the, you know, obviously, the most vivid imagery and the one that's blazing in your brain from last the night fingers, yeah. is the fingers, right? I mean, I speak for all of us. I've watched football for decades. I've never seen that before. There was, there was something when I was a kid. I was super young, but you know how, when you're a kid, things make an impression on you. Tommy Kramer was the quarterback of the Minnesota Vikings. This will be for a certain age. And I, I want to say it was Jack Youngblood or Jim Youngblood or somebody slammed him to the turf in a Rams Vikings game, and Kramer's body started to shake while he was on the ground. I remember I don't know if I was seven years old, eight years old, whatever it was, and I was just like, "Oh my god!" Right? Like I, I was just, just blown away by like, "Oh my god, what's happening to him?" But the fingers thing, you said something off air, which was the which was the more recent uh, Anquan Bolden when when um, when he was hit uh, when he was playing for the Cardinals and hit. Uh, by the Jets, yeah, when he uh, dislocated his jaw. Hands clenched up and everything. That's what it reminded for- me of, yeah. I had forgotten about that. But this was, I mean, the way that the fingers were contorted. I mean, my brother, who is, who, who is a doctor, he was like saying, he was like, yeah, usually you see that with stroke victims, and obviously this is a stroke. But that's usually more uh, reflective of that kind of thing. But anyway, it's, it's we just Bengals uh, win their second game in a five-day span, but we all wish the best for Tuataga Tagovailoa, who, by the way, also... The hip injury at Alabama, he's 24 years old. Can we think of another 24-year-old that has had this much happen to his body? Coming back with Dr. Bob and college football picks next on the numbers game at VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network.
2: Hey guys, this is Matt Jones, Drew Franklin from the Fade This Podcast. We got a great episode coming up, picks in all the sports, football, basketball, we do them all, but here's a preview of this week's episode. Nothing to do with anyone personally. But Creighton is the team every year that the nerds, you know, the basketball nerds are like, you know, who's really to to Creighton, you know, watch Creighton. They play And I'm like, I don't want to watch Creighton because I agree with Shannon and the dude today. Creighton's never gonna win anything. Stop talking to me about Creighton. And then they're never at any of those. those. Never, yeah, <laughs> exactly. And it comes time for the Grammys, and they lose out to like you know Lil Durk, and you're like, "See, I knew Lil Durk was better. Why are you, t- why are you telling me about- the whole time?" <laughs> and this episode was brought to you in partnership with DraftKings. To hear more, listen and subscribe to Fade This on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to podcasts.
0: Hey Sarah, I loved that Spring Break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. Omg, you watched it? Yeah, it was edited so well.
5: Put the spring back into your step and into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save 40% site-wide. Get 40% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.
3: A numbers game on v the
6: Sports Betting Network.
3: It's time to download Nevada's premier sports betting app, BetMGM Sports. BetMGM with all your favorite wagering options, along with in-game betting, boosted odd specials, and much more. Download the BetMGM app today. And stop by any MGM casino on the strip with your state-issued ID to open an account and start placing sports bets from anywhere in Nevada. Whatever your sport, whatever your betting style, you're going to love BetMGM's state-of-the-art technology and fan-friendly specials every day of the week. Visit BetMGM for terms and conditions. Must be 21 or older and physically located in Nevada. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. Uh, we get tweets at beating the book. This is from uh, New York Mess 16. Didn't they flag number 92 of the Bengals for slamming the running back to the ground? The quarterback is perversely protected in today's game, so that was a bajillion percent a personal foul. Um, he's all uh, he, he agrees with me on that one. Um, let's see. Do-do-do-do-do-do, and on and on. We'll get some of these here afterwards. Um... All right, let's talk some college football. Actually, let's talk some pro football. He's, he may have a pro football pick as well. Ladies and gentlemen, you can follow him at drbobsports, drbobsports.com. It's the great Dr. Bob Stoll, pioneer in predicting the outcomes of sporting events through predictive modeling. How are you doing? He hates the word pioneer. I'm sorry, Bob. I did it again. It just makes me makes me seem old. Okay. You are a... Uh, how, about, how about cutting edge? Cutting edge. <laughs> Handicapper, Dr. Bob. That's what we'll do. We'll put it on your graphic. Pioneer, Cutting edge.
6: Pioneer, Pioneer makes my math seem really old. <laughs> my math is still is still fresh, Gil.
3: Oh, man.
6: Okay. Still, beat, still beat me odds. <laughs>
3: That's right. Cutting edge. TikToker, Bob Stoll, everybody. All right, Bob, um, re- real quick before we get to college football plays, there was an NFL one you might want to slip in here, you said?
6: Yeah, you know, I I, I like the under in the Green Bay-New England game. Obviously, uh, Mac Jones is out. Um, The metrics say that Hoyer is about three and a half points worse than Jones. I just think this is one of those games that Bill Belichick knows his only chance of winning is limiting possessions. And I think it's just going to be try to possess the ball, um, you know, with the ball control offense, maybe more running, uh, whatever else. The offense isn't going to work whatever he tries to do. And Green Bay's offense is obviously struggling. The receivers are terrible. And I think Belichick will come up with a plan to kind of – they play a lot of bad but don't break anyway over the years. And I think it's going to be one of those games where they're just going to hope that Green Bay makes mistakes and they're going to limit what Green Bay can do, which is run the ball. Um, And I think their offense is going to be super conservative. I just – I played the under 41. I don't know what it is now. It might still be around at 40-and-a-half. So – uh, I feel like under, you know, 40 or higher in the Green Bay-New England game.
3: Okay, let's go to, I mean, we're showing 40 and a half. We're showing a 40 out here, so I'll uh, shop around for the, uh, the best number you can get on that if you choose to follow, follow Bob on that. Let's go to college football. ACC clash uh, between, the, uh, between Wake Forest and Florida State at FSU. Florida State, well, actually, this is, is this one of the games that was moved? No, they kept it there, didn't they? Um, this, yep. Yeah, six and a half point favorite in terms of the Semin uh, in favor of the Seminoles here.
6: Yeah, you know Wake Forest. I, I had a small play in Wake Forest last week as a home dog against Clemson, and that was mostly because I think Clemson's secondary is young and they're they're just not good. And I figured Wake Forest can move the ball through the air, which they did. Uh, you know, Sam Hartman averaged ten yards of pass play last week, and and the overtime loss, and they covered the spread and scored a bunch of points. And I think Wake Forest is getting too much credit for being close with Clemson. I just don't think Clemson is an elite team anymore. Um, so I think they're getting too much credit for that. Um, Hartman is a great quarterback, no doubt about that, but, uh, you know, Dean and Nikos don't run the ball well. And Florida State defends the pass very well. So far, the Seminoles have allowed just 5.0 yards per pass play to three FBS teams that will combine to average 6.4 yards per pass play against an average defense. So they've been about one and a half. Yards per pass played better than an average team so far defending the pass. They'll slow down Hartman, uh, and, and Wake Forest won't be able to run the ball. So I think FSU has an advantage um, in that situation. Overall, the Wake Forest offense of the Florida State defense is about a wash. The big advantage is when Florida State has the ball. Jordan Travis gets better and better and better every single year. And this year he's completed 66% of his passes. He still throws the ball down the field. He hasn't chosen to run it much. And he hasn't needed to because he's been throwing the ball so well, but he can run if needed. Uh, but Travis is averaging 9.3 yards per pass play against the FBS defenses he's faced that are all that are on average better than average. So he's had a great year so far, and Wake Forest has been just average defending the pass so far. So I expect Travis to have another good game, and Florida State, just based on their just based on their huge advantage with their offense against Wake Forest defense, which didn't play very well against the pretty mediocre Clemson attack last week. I just think that's such a huge edge for Florida State, and laying seven points or less is a really good bet.
3: So agree with you about Clemson, by the way. I think they, uh, that seems to be obvious to uh, to everyone watching them, that they are no longer among the elite, despite DJ having a good game this past week. Let's go from the ACC to the SEC. This is Texas A&M at Mississippi State. Now, Texas A&M, both teams, by the way, 3-1, and one. I have no idea how Texas A&M is 3-1, and one, quite frankly. Yeah. Uh, they, they tried to give Miami that game a couple weeks ago. Miami refused to take it. And then last week, boy, they down 14-0 to, uh, to Arkansas. And then get back in a tie with that fumble recovery lateral for a touchdown. Just win under just unbelievable circumstances. Mississippi State favored by three in the hook here.
6: Yeah, this is Mississippi State. a um, and scored 14, their offense has scored 14 points, 14 points, and 17 points in three games against FBS opponents. And, and, and the FBS team that played Sam Houston State has a terrible defense this year, and A&M only scored 31 points against them, which is bad. Um, it gets worse for the Aggies now. Their best offensive player, a Smith, is out. He, Smith has more than double the receiving yards of any of his teammates. He's averaged 12.1 yards per target and a 57% success rate. That is significantly better than the rest of the receivers on the team who combined for 6.4 yards per target, about six yards less per target, the rest of the receivers that have to replace Smith's production. And the rest of the AM receivers, 32% success rate compared to 57% for Smith, who got about double the target. So the pass game is going to get even worse. Max Johnson, who took over a couple games ago for King, uh, has been a little bit worse than King was if you adjust for opponents' face. Um, so I don't think I have any luck thrown against an elite Mississippi State pass defense. I mean, Bulldogs' defense is playing lights out right now. They've allowed, less, they've allowed less than five yards of pass play to a uh, collection of quarterbacks that would average about seven yards per pass play against an average defensive team. Holding Memphis, Arizona, and LSU, who all have better-than-average passing games, to less than five yards per pass play is exceptionally good. I don't see how AM is going to be able to throw the ball. A M does have a good running attack, but the Bulldogs have a decent run defense. Not great, not as good as a pass defense. they held they held um AM scored just fourteen and seventeen points against App State and Arkansas, who have mediocre run defenses. And the Bulldogs without Smith to, to worry about, can put an extra man at the line of scrimmage so their run defense is going to get better. I just, don't, I, mean, I just don't see how A&M scores more than 14 points in this game. They've only averaged 15 points in three games against FBS teams, and now they're worse. And Mississippi State's the best defense that they've faced. So I think that's the problem. And, of course, a and is their defense, which is why they've won a, couple, won, won a few games. And Mississippi State's ball-control pass attack should be able to score enough points, and they're going to have a good field position because A&M's offense is going to be so bad. But I think it's a situation where Mississippi State's going to score somewhere in the 20s, They're going to control the ball, have good field position, get you know close to 400 yards offense because how many plays they're going to run, and that should get them in the 20s. And A&M is probably going to be capped at around 14 points unless they get lucky again. Um, So I like Mississippi State minus four or less is the best bet for me.
3: Minus four or less, and you can get less on. Mississippi yeah, State right, right now.
6: At Some books,
3: four, some books, yeah. yeah. Okay, so FSU and Mississippi State. Let's go back to the NFL for a second because we talk about survivor pools a lot. There's a huge one here in town. You do something called the loser pool, right? A loser's pool, which is basically survivor but the opposite direction. Are you in one this year and are you still alive?
6: No, I'm not. I'm a loser in the loser's <laughs> pool.
3: You're a winner in the loser's pool, which is not a good thing yeah, to you know, be. I, I,
6: I got knocked out the first week. With uh, with the Colts against Houston, cool. and then you could re-up or double the entry fee. I'm like, you know what? I'm game. Uh, no, I mean, not not like mean, I mean, I had Houston against Indy the first week. I'm sorry, not the other way around. Uh, Houston, who I picked to lose, beat the Colts the first week. I re-upped and, and lost again this, this last week. So, oh, man. Uh, Who'd you lose on last not, week? Who'd you lose on this? Week? Not so, not so good. Uh, last week I, I lost with them, um, Jacksonville. Oh man. and I picked it before I knew Herbert Herber was potentially uh, potentially out. I'm like, ah, oh, he, he's he's going to play, and he played terrible. Uh,
3: well, and based based on that, I'm not sure if you're the guy to ask this anymore. But if you were, let's just say you were in it this week, um, and you, I mean, it's hard to know who everybody has available, right? But let's just say you had the entire pool of teams available. Who would you pick this week as your loser in losers' pool?
6: Uh, Well, the thing is, this is a it's a a gigantic pool, so you have to pick good teams to lose, right? Um, You know, and I thought Jacksonville—they're a pretty good team this year, so I picked them. lose. that didn't work last week. Um, Yeah, it's it's a tough week this week. Uh, You don't want to take Houston to lose because they're a bad team, and who knows the structures. Uh, Same with you know Seattle—you don't want to pick them to lose because they're a bad team. If you're in a big pool and a losers' pool, you want to pick a good team to lose. It might be Jacksonville again. Yeah, because they're (laughs) playing
3: Philly, right? It's yeah. most people listening to this who are you know used to Survivor pools, are listening to this, and their and their brain is frazzled by it because you have to like, completely turn your thinking around. Teams, yeah, yeah it, it's I love all these vehicles to bet uh, on the NFL. Bob, we got to run. We appreciate it. Thanks for the picks, man. All right. Good luck. See you all this week. Bob Stoll, everybody, at Sports on Twitter, drbobsports.com. On the World Wide Web, coming back with Paul Carr, Premier League picks. He's a Dolphins fan. He's got thoughts. Coming up, Numbers Game, VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network. A Numbers Game on VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network. The NHL season is almost here, and our hockey betting experts are ready for all the action. The VEASAN hockey season prep guides available now with strategies and best bets for the season ahead. Get in-depth analysis from our hockey experts, including Andy McNeil. Though Andy says, I'd defy you to find another expert there. <laughs> Besides me on that. maybe he's just referring to the fact that he's hes the only one on there is what he's saying. With Predictions for teams and players, win totals, daily betting tips, season-long trends, to watch plus three things every new NHL better should know. This guide's a must-have with key insights and data for both avid hockey bettors and those new to the sport. Give yourself an edge this season to get the VEASAN Hockey Season Prep Guide by becoming a VEASAN Pro subscriber today at VEASAN.com slash subscribe. I cannot wait for that to come out. Andy's been kind enough to join us a couple times already this week to uh, preview a couple divisions. He will be back to preview the remaining two, the Atlantic and the Metropolitan here on the numbers game here before the uh, hockey season begins and before the E.V. hockey season prep guide comes out. Skill Alexander, uh, we get tweets at being the book. Always appreciate uh, everybody chiming in. This is from Matt Grissom. He says, I'm not a doctor, but a buddy told me that uh, it's a response, talking about Tua now, called fencing. Yeah, that's the, that's the term they're throwing out. Uh, with two his hands, quote: When a person experiences an impact that's strong enough to cause traumatic brain injury, such as a concussion, their arms often go into an unnatural position. It was, I, I didn't use the word the term fencing because I had asked my brother about. It. He's like, I've never heard that word in my life. <laughs> so maybe he's I I've never heard of it. Either. I, he, and he's a doctor, so he was like, I've never heard it in my life. So maybe he's just not, he doesn't know the neurological term for it. Sam Ginsberg, talking about what Dr. Bob was just saying. How you doing, Sam Ginsberg from uh, Pittsburgh, PA? He said, I've been running a loser's pool for probably the last 10 years. We call it the, you ready? You guess what do they call it? The cesspool. See so what did it there? Nice job, Sam Ginsberg. Paul Carr joins us, ladies and gentlemen, from Topeka, Kansas. Uh, he is the host of the Expected Value podcast and, of course, works at True Media Networks. Used to be at ESPN
4: back in the day. How are you doing, Paul? I'm good, except I can't play Survivor this week. I'm very sad about it. You're out. I'm out. You have ch- the Chiefs. Yeah. And their special teams were a disaster. And, I mean, despite all that, they really still should have won the game. But, yeah. Uh, the only con- consolation I have is my pool. It's about 20 people have been doing it for 20 years. Uh, my dad won after hey. a whole you know, three weeks. So, there it's you, over. There you go, Mr.
3: Carr. Good job, Dad. There you go. Tell your dad what's up. Um, listen, so, well, you see, I don't know if you heard this on the Megapod last week. And by the way, we had a great Megapod yesterday with Adam Chernoff, Todd, Todd, Jeff and I, but Jeff Parlay had asked last week, again, I had mentioned this before on the Megapod. He was like, what do you think is a bigger loss? Keenan Allen being out for the Chargers or Harrison Butker being out for the Chiefs. Now he knows me well enough to know that I, before he could even finish the sentence, I was going to be like, Butker, we don't talk about pickers enough. Um, By the way, the answer was that both were a big loss, right? But that I I would argue that Butker... Was the bigger deal because it colored that whole game, and what you're saying about their special teams, like I mean, it, it sort of played out
4: that way. Yeah, their their special teams EPA expected points added, basically how many points special teams cost them based on you know each individual play and how many points that is worth, etc. It was about minus 17 last week, which is the worst the Chiefs have had in a game since 2000. It's the worst for any Dave Tobe, their special teams coach, who's very good, well regarded the worst that he's had in any game in his 20 year NFL career. So between, you know, the muffed kick, uh, missed field goal, missed extra point, failed, uh, attempt on the fake punt, all that. It added up to minus 17 points, which obviously yeah. cost them
6: the game.
3: Yeah. Laugh at me. All you will. Those who laugh at me when <laughs> I said Harrison bugger, by the way, I have no idea if anybody laughed. I'm just trying to stir something up. Um, That's right. <laughs> all right. Now the other thing is you are a Miami dolphins fan. The Dolphins fall to three and one last night, 27 to 15 loss to the Bengals. We talked obviously about, uh, Strange fourth and short decisions left and right Mm -hmm. from Mike McDaniel and Zach Taylor. I was like, what year is this? What are we watching? Uh, particularly the last one for the Bengals when they're fourth and to go at the doorstep, and you're really not going to just throw Burrow across the line. Um, nope. Didn't end up crossing them, obviously, in the end, but it was, it was so bizarre. And then, of course, the 2 injury marring it all. What is your, I mean, as a Dolphins fan, like what's your big takeaway from that from a football perspective and from a 2 perspective?
4: Yeah, I mean, from a big-picture football perspective, look, the Dolphins are 3-1 and one after four games, which included games against the Bills three playoff caliber teams and you beat the Patriots who are kind of arch so you told me before the season three and one after four games ecstatic uh, especially with you know the Jets Vikings Steelers I think are the next three so not a terrible schedule coming up so you're happy overall with where they're at um, it felt like a missed opportunity though last night hanging around and the, the two of the cloud is just hanging over everything you know I don't There's so much speculation, like we don't know anything about anything really that's gone on for the last week. It obviously doesn't look good from a procedural or a medical standpoint, but I just hope Tua's is okay, both from a personal standpoint and a football standpoint. Yeah, I I don't want to listen.
3: Thank goodness, you know, he has feeling in his extremities, he went back with the team. So we we think that the worst possible, you know, circumstances is behind us. But but I did go in my head, right? I went at in some point. Your head went to, what if something really really yeah. serious and permanent had to this happen to this kid, yep. and what would that have done to the NFL? Like mm-hmm. what I, I know, we're like, oh, the NFL would have gone on another. Ron Flatter used to be on this network, right? Ron Flatter texted me. He goes, it would have brought the NFL to its knees. That was what he said. Yeah, yeah.
4: you know, it could totally overhaul how. I mean, they've added yeah. a lot of concussion protocol in the last few years, which is good. Could get a lot different. You, you, you lose a star quarterback like that uh, on a national TV game, especially. Yeah, it could change a lot of stuff. We don't
3: know. Yeah. Well, thank goodness. Um, we hope again. Please, please, Dolphins, take precautions, um, yep. because Rg3 had great tweets about. It. It's like you know, there's a lesson in how the team had to, you know, had needs to be protected by the league. Uh, and then how the the league also let you know them down as well in the in the whole mm-hmm. process of it all. So RG three had some really good tweets on it. All right, to the Premier League. There's no real art, artful way to uh, transition from that, but to the Premier League, uh, the world's football, global football. Uh, how's your season going so far? Where are we?
4: Good. I didn't look at the exact record, but it's up like two units so far this the season. Twelve and nine, something to that effect. All right, and better than
3: me. Nine and twelve. Twelve we'll and nine. It. Okay.
4: Um, okay. You have a three pack. Where do we start? I do. We're starting with one of the big games of the weekend it's early tomorrow morning uh, Arsenal Tottenham, North London Derby, always a fun one. Uh, I like the draw on this one at plus 270. It's just Arsenal, the way they're going to play, they're going to want to have most of the ball. But what they haven't shown an ability to do all season is put games away. They're really not that great when they're up a goal at just kind of strangling the life out of a game. And Tottenham's really good on the counterattack. Each team has scored in all of their games this year, so I think we'll see at least a goal apiece. Uh, Tottenham's defense hasn't been great. Arsenal's defense hasn't been great, especially against better teams. So it just feels a lot like a draw to me, 1-1, 2-2 type of game, Uh, plus 270. I think I saw it at plus 275 some places this morning. So I like the draw on this one. It should be a pretty fun one. I think there'll be goals. I think we get a draw. Always fun to root for the draw, by the way. Yeah, if, it's, if, it's, if
3: you're into such things, I should right. say.
4: I, I hate rooting for the draw. But. <laughs> but, well, I mean, it's just there's zero chance that you're comfortable until the final whistle. You know, that's so right. team to win, they could be up two or three goals, and you can coast home. Both teams to score can be over in ten minutes. A draw, you have to endure ninety it's, minutes of torture. That's
3: very true. There is no moment of comfort with a draw. Nope. The payout reflects that though, I, I suppose.
4: That's right. Yeah. That's right. You get you get good prices on it.
3: Um Arsenal, by the way, the number one team in the Premier League through seven matches anyway, a point lead over both Man City and the team, the side they're playing, Tottenham. So this uh this obviously has implications as early as it is in the Premier League season, thirty-eight games entirely.
4: All right, we have a total as well. What do you like? Total, also Saturday, Fulham Newcastle. I'm going over two and a half. I got this at minus one oh five. It's probably more like 110, 115 now, which I'd still play. Uh, Fulham games overall have had the most expected goals of any team in the Premier League this season. They're newly promoted. Their defense is okay, but a little shaky. Uh, but they've shown a willingness to go for it in the attack, and that's resulted in lots of chances for both teams. Uh, they give up good shots. Newcastle's games I think are eighth in total expected goals this season, so their games have been a little bit open as well. Lots of shots by both teams. Uh, and Fulham's got Alexander Mitrovic, who. Sounds kind of like an Eastern European henchman. And that's kind of what he plays <laughs> like, too. You know, he's this big, brawny henchman. forward. Yeah, he's a big, brawny forward. He's got six goals in seven games this year. He scored four times for Serbia uh, in the international break last week. He's been kind of the fulcrum of that attack up top. So he plays every bit like his name and, and looks down. Uh, but he and Fulham have just generated goals one way or the other this season. So I like over two and a half at minus four five. <laughs> henchman. How does one become
3: a henchman? By the way, the definition of a henchman, and yes, I looked it up. Because uh, I went, a okay, faithful follower or political supporter, especially one prepared to engage in crime or dishonest practices by way of service. There you, go. Service. That's there you know. go. Looks like a Eastern European henchman. All right. And you then...
4: Google Alexander Mitrovic. Looks yeah. like a, it looks every bit the Serbian that you would expect him to be.
3: Uh, and then you, <clears throat> Pardon me. Then you're on Man City against Man U.
4: You like Man City here. Yeah, here's your other big game of the weekend. Man City, Manchester United. The Manchester Derby is always fun. Uh, this is my always hot take the better team approach. Uh, so I'll lay one goal, Man City minus one. I got even money on this, which I think is pretty good. Uh, City's played six Premier League games this season. Four of them have been multiple goal wins. Newcastle 21 to 12 in a draw, and they drew against Aston Villa, and them 13 to three. So City has been every bit the dominant team. We kind of expected them to be, I think, even more dominant than we expected. Uh, United's defense isn't there yet; they're allowing a lot of shots, double digits in all six games. And I have to point this out: Erling Holland is minus 250 to score a goal in some places. That's just nuts. Wow minus
3: 250
4: (laughs) you can get it like minus 175 which honestly isn't terrible to score a goal yeah so 70% he's going to score the goal that's how good he's been since joining Man City
3: Arsenal Tottenham draw Fulham Newcastle over two and a half Man City giving up the goal versus Man U minus one versus Man U thank you Paul appreciate it as always
4: you bet have a good weekend
3: you too Paul Carr everybody at Paul Carr C-A-R-R on Twitter coming back with Adam Burke college football and pro football picks next Because Zigazoo is about one thing and one thing only, and that is fun. Try out Zigazoo this spring break and let your kids share your vacation blogs and best edits with their friends safely. Download the Zigazoo app today. That's Z-I-G-A-Z-O-O.
0: Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game.
3: Attention, BetMGM customers have a friend who loves sports as much as you do. Here's a chance for both of you to turn a $50 bonus when you sign up through BetMGM's Refer a Friend program. Just sign into your BetMGM account. Click on the Refer a Friend program to send your friend a message inviting them to register a new account in the same state you use BetMGM in. Once your friend signs up and makes a deposit, they'll receive a $50 bonus. And once your friend places a bet with their bonus and the wager's settled, you'll receive a $50 bonus as well. Share the excitement at BetMGM and get a $50 bonus. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. All promotions subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Reward position does not withdrawable. Side credit, side credit expires in 30 days. Family problem call 1 800 Gambler. Promotion offer not available in Mississippi and Nevada. Skill Alexander still to come on the show, of course. Spanky in studio. Final two uh, segments of the show. The creator of Spank Odds, among other things. The founder and creator of Bet Bash and Bet Bash 2 and perhaps bet bash three we'll talk to him about all that uh... when he's in studio with us later uh... thrilled to have him coming on and of course uh... we'll get uh... christopher Falik on in here in the next hour adam burke standing by as well uh, pro tip of the hour by the way matt santos pro tip of the hour uh... has to do with what dr bob was saying if you're in a loser's pool which he is in in survivor uh, excuse me in uh, in football he's in a loser's pool so it's the uh, sort of you, know, you twist your brain around you think the opposite way that you would in a survivor pool you're looking for losers to advance the object from his perspective, what he was saying is to pick good teams because you know most people are going to take the obvious bad teams to survive. He's trying to win. And so when playing survivor pools, remember, you have to be willing to take a risk and play the teams you know the most. Uh, that You have to play the teams that you know that most of the pool is not going to be willing to play. For example, the Packers this week, Will most will most likely be the single most popular play, and I would even argue will have a massive percentage of remaining survivor plays. So, are you trying to survive or are you trying to win? If I could tell, if I told you right now, hey, look, I know you don't think the Packers are going to lose, but they're going to. And in fact, I'm coming to you from the future, and they did. Would you still be okay that you took the Packers? Play to win, not just to survive. It's your pro tip of the hour, searchable at vcin.com. And remember, um, all of our survivor, uh, all of our, I should say, our pro tips are available at vcin.com, 20 a day right here at the network. I've done the math. Gil Alexander, Adam Burke joins us once again, um which is kind enough to do uh as many Fridays as he can. Of course, he is the glue that holds this network together. Does the great baseball previews, knows his college football, knows his pro football, knows multiple sports. Adam thrilled to have you, man. How you doing?
7: I'm good. And I just want to say that I will be bringing back the daily article for the playoffs. It's something that I stopped heading into football season just because, I mean, you and I know that football rules everything here in this business, but I am bringing back the daily article for the playoffs which kick off I believe October 6th or 7th. So looking forward to that. Nice. Looking forward to
3: that as well. Okay. So uh, before we get to football, real quick, your Guardians guy. Guardians look like they're going to play. I mean, we don't, we still don't know, right? It could be the Rays. It could be the Mariners. Will they be favorites in both of those series? And by how much, if so?
7: Well, that's a good question. Cause I mean, by virtue of winning the central division, they will be at home. So yeah. at least there is that. So, you know, obviously Seattle would have a long trip in. And uh look, I, I don't know. I don't think so. I don't know how many people are actually believers in this team because the offense is so limited, and a lot of times we do see favoritism you know, in the playoffs towards really good offensive teams, unless they have elite pitching, in which case you know, the teams that have elite pitching are going to be favored. I wouldn't call the Guardians pitching elite, and obviously their offensive profile is very, very different from what we usually see out of teams. I think they'd be a dog to anybody that they would face in the wildcard round despite being at home, but I'll say this. I think we kind of saw a preview of what to expect from them in the playoffs with the last couple of games against the Rays. Tight, very low-scoring games. Uh, Actually, all three games, really. We had some extra inning runs in the first one. They'll probably be kind of an under juggernaut in the playoffs for as long as they're in it because their offense is very limited and their run prevention skills are very, very good.
3: All right, let's note that. Under juggernaut for the Guardians of the uh, MLB postseason. Of course, that Braves Mets series, the National League for the National League East, ostensibly begins tonight uh, with Freed versus DeGrom and the Mets minus 120 favorites at Atlanta. Huge, huge baseball tonight. All right, college football. Let's start there. What you got?
7: Yeah, I just want to mention real quick with that Mets and Braves series. Please. I mean, if the Mets don't win that division, it puts a significant dent into their World Series chances because then they'd have to burn DeGrom and Scherzer at least in that wild card That's round. right. And, you know, then it'd be something that doesn't really set them up well for the division series. So that is a massive series for them and a massive series for their World Series chances as well. As far as college football goes, I like to play tonight and, you know, the. There are still some two-and-a-halves out there, and in fact, seeing a few more of them than we saw yesterday afternoon, but I like Washington tonight on the road against UCLA. The Washington's played a much tougher schedule to this point than UCLA has. The Bruins have played the 162nd-ranked schedule, according to Sagarin, whereas Washington's at least played a couple of decent teams in Michigan State and Stanford. Washington with Kalen DeBoer at the helm. The offense is now capable of matching up alongside the defense. This was a defense last year that was 18th in yards per play allowed. So now that they've got an offense, now that they've got a guy in DeBoer who's had success everywhere he's been, whether that's as an OC or a head coach, I think tonight is the night that Washington kind of makes a statement and anybody who's left sleeping on the Huskies is going to stop doing that. So I like Washington laying that short number of two and a half tonight in L.A.
3: Yeah, some threes out there, but some two and a halves, as you said, still available uh, for UW and Michael Penix on this one. Okay, so uh, what about tomorrow, college football?
7: Yeah, the, one of the games in the early window, I like Illinois getting seven against Wisconsin. I mean, we haven't seen anything from Wisconsin that would suggest that they can play well enough to cover this big of a number against a fellow Power 5 opponent. they played two of them. Illinois is not Ohio State, but Wisconsin was completely overmatched in that game. and they lost at home to Washington State, who's certainly better than expected, but I would have had Illinois and Washington State power rated pretty evenly, or maybe Illinois a little bit better coming into the season. So... That's a pretty ugly loss for Wisconsin. These are two teams that play a very similar brand of football. They want to run it. They want to be physical. They want to play defense. To me, I don't think that that really warrants Wisconsin being as big as a seven point favorite here, nor do I think it helps Wisconsin's chances of covering the spread. I also think Illinois may be better at the quarterback position with Tommy DeVito as opposed to Graham Mertz for the Badgers. So I took the 7 with Wisconsin, and honestly, an upset would not shock me here in this early window.
3: You took the uh, 7 with Illinois. With the, uh, oh, yeah, yeah, excuse me. Yeah, No, no problem. Just to want to clarify. Total it's is, still early. It's still, it's still early. <laughs> I understand. Uh, total 44, so the total sort of lends to your uh, to your side of things as well uh, with that big of a spread. Um, anything else college-wise before we get to the pros?
7: Yeah, I got a couple. Actually, I'm involved in a couple of games with the service academies here this weekend. I like Army laying the 7.5 against Georgia State. We're seeing a few more 8s kind of pop up here today. Uh, these two teams played last year in Week 1, and Army won 43-10 to 10 on the road. And the thing about playing the triple option is the more time you have to prepare, the better off you're expected to be. But when Georgia State had all kinds of time last year, they gave up 43 points, and Army had the ball for over 42 minutes, I think, in that game. Now... Georgia State is playing this in the middle of conference play. They're going to West Point. They're facing an Army team off a of bye. And Georgia State also plays their rival, Georgia Southern, next week. So I think this is a really, really awful spot for Georgia State. So I laid the seven and a half with Army. And I actually played the over in Navy and Air Force, which I know Service Academy overs are very, very terrifying. But this one's up to 38, 38 and a half out there. Uh, these two teams. Since 1999, only three of these head-to-head meetings have failed to get to 40 points, and this totals 38, 38 and a half. This is not Army-Navy. Air Force is a very dynamic offensive team. So I took the over 38 in that one and, and kind of lean with Air Force minus the 14 as well.
3: Are you in uh, millions or survivor in the NFL?
7: I am in survivor. Oh, you are. I still have one alive. There you go.
3: How many did you start with?
7: Uh, two. So nice. Okay, I had the, had the Broncos in
3: Week One, which uh, is still devastating. <laughs> Man, I know, I know. Uh, but who who do you think you're playing this week? Do You know? Well, I think I am
7: going to shy away from Green Bay for some of the reasons that you talked about there at the at the top of the segment. I've, I I want to play Detroit. I really want to play Detroit. So many it's, injuries. Yeah, it's challenging with the injury report, especially with DeAndre Swift being out. Also. As somebody who's a fan of historically disappointing teams, all the Cleveland teams, relying on the Lions to do anything <laughs> is a very scary proposition, but I think Seattle may be the worst team in the NFL or very close to it. Yeah. So, I, and, and also, I, th- I feel like I can take Green Bay at other junctures here in the contest. I can't take Detroit really at any other point, and I think people are feeling that way about the Steelers as well, where this is about the only time you can take Pittsburgh, so yeah of thinking between those two teams right now
3: adam that phrase is so disappointing it's so heartbreaking you're like as a fan of historically disappointing teams like it's just so i'm so sorry man i want to give you a hug (laughs) all right what's, what's your your favorite bet against the number this week at the nfl is we have about 30 seconds
7: Favorite total, by the way, is Cleveland and Atlanta over. I think both of those teams have good success moving the football. But as far as an ATS play, I took Arizona plus one and a half, and yeah. now I see that they're even favored at some places. Yep. I'm not a believer in the Panthers at all whatsoever. The Cardinals secondary is terrible, but so is Baker Mayfield. So I don't think that they can exploit that weakness. And I think that Arizona's played a really challenging schedule here so far. So I like them laying the or getting a short
3: number on the road. I had him favored in guessing lines on Monday. And they laughed. Adam, they laughed. I don't know if they laughed. I'm just saying. Thank you, Adam. Appreciate it as always, man. Absolutely. you will have it going. You too. Adam Burke, at skating tripods. One of the iconic uh, Twitter handles of all time right there. We'll come back. Chris Velika, the Bear, from ESPN College and Pro, football next.